0: because here we go. I want to welcome you. I am so glad that you're here with us today. I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about Life Group. I think that every one of us, there should be no reason why we wouldn't want to be a part of of a Life Group. So I encourage you, there are different times of the day, different days of the week, and all that stuff. I think you're you're going to really find it to be beneficial. So I give an amen to Jeremiah with what he's talking about. Let's go into the Word of God today. We are in a series, we are in uh, week two, of a four-week series dealing with relationships, and uh, in particular with marriage, but other relationships as well. And uh, <clears throat> this series comes from a book that Craig Groeschel wrote. He is pastor of Life Church out of Oklahoma, the largest church in America. The largest group of people that gather in America go to Life Church, and it's really, really incredible, really wonderful. And he wrote this book called entitled "From This Day Forward." So over the next few weeks. Uh, My goal is is that I would talk to those of us who are dealing with marriage right now, those of us who may be challenged, those of us who are wanting to go a little bit deeper, a little bit better than where we've been and what we've been doing. Also, I want to invest into those who are thinking of getting married someday, maybe getting married again someday, however it may be in your life. And then maybe with this series, it's going to help you as well, those of you who are single and or again single again for your future decisions. Maybe this series can help us. In that area of relationship so that's where we're going and what we're doing with all of that as we go into this I want to I want to give you three rules I have three rules for this series rule number one is is that typically in marriage and relationship kind of series our thought process always goes to our spouse or our boyfriend or our girlfriend because they're the ones who need the help and I'm gonna ask you in this one Don't do that. If you do that, I'm going to take a flag out of my back pocket and throw it up up in the air, and you're going to to lose 10 yards, all right? So there's none of that. Um, What I want you to do do is to apply every bit of this to yourself. This is for you. This is for me. This isn't for Marianne. This is for me. This is what I need. This is what you need. Number two is that I uh, I don't want you looking back. I don't want you looking back. We talked about this a little bit last week. The tendency is to filter the idea of the scriptures and truth of God's word mostly through what happened in the past. The reason why you're mad right now, the reason why you're miserable right now is because of him and what he did a year ago, five years ago, or because of her, what she said and what she, don't do that. I'm asking you, please, don't do that. Don't be there. And the reason is, is because the Bible tells us that God makes all things new. Do you believe that? yeah we do we believe that God makes all things new so I don't want you to be just looking back we are are going to be believing God that he makes all things new and from this day forward we're gonna believe God for a good thing with this series and number three number three is is that I'm going to tell it like it is and of course that's nothing different than for the last 25 years I've been a pastor of this church and preaching uh, the majority of sermons continuously and uh, so I'm gonna tell it like it is in fact I want to let you know that the Bible gets rather graphic in dealing with sexual topics, and you're going to hear a little bit of that today. We can go really deep, or we're not going to go really deep today with this. But uh, in fact, in one chapter in the book of Song of Solomon um, is a, a chapter that's dealing with a couple who have gotten married and they're making love with one another. And it describes in detail their honeymoon night in particular, in particular. In fact, part of the scripture says they made love all night long. And you thought, and you thought that uh, uh, Lionel Richie was the one who came up with that. No, that was God. That was his song first, all night long, you know. Pray for me, I need your help. God, do a work in Randy Chiz, I pray in Jesus' name. Okay. Um, and I'm going to also remind you of this. Please keep in mind that if you have kids here who are under the age of 13, life kids over on the other side would probably, probably be the best place for them today. I would encourage that. And, of course, everything we talk about is going to be appropriate from 13-year-old year old on up. Now, I don't know what you think. I don't know what you think, but I believe that the church ought to be the place where we talk about this. What do you think? Amen. We don't need the world, the internet, or the locker room to give our kids or to give us their perverted thoughts and ways about our sexuality. That's a conviction that I've had all my life. I was a youth pastor for eight years, almost eight full years, and I did a lot of this with my teenagers. In fact, I got a couple of them still part of my church, even though they were with me in the youth ministry many, many years ago. Uh, So if we're gonna talk about having fun today, if we're gonna talk about uh, having fun in our married life, if we're gonna go deeper and talk about romance and to talk about relationships, the physical side of our sexuality, in my humble opinion, I believe we need to go to the book of the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. We're gonna go there. If you wanna begin to search that or, again, uh, your tablets, your smartphones, whatever you've got, computer-wise, you can follow along with you version, as has been announced to you today. So we encourage you to be a part of of all of that. The Song of Solomon. Solomon, like his father, who is King David, was a a, a songwriter, and he was a good, really, really good song led uh, writer. In fact, um, in in uh, First Kings, it says to us that Solomon wrote. 1,005 songs. Specifically, it says that. Solomon himself wrote 1,005 songs, uh, and that's a lot of songs. And Jesus, uh, as Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Solomon, out of all of the songs that he wrote, he has his favorite. There is one that stands above all the rest of the one thousand and five songs that he wrote, and that is the song that we're dealing with today, the Song of Solomon. This is what works the best for him. And this particular book was inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit like the rest of the Bible. So as we talk about some of these things today, it does get a little bit graphic. Uh, I I wanna remind you that uh, uh, back in February, two years ago of uh, 2016, I did a whole series, a four-week series, just on the book of the Song of Solomon. It was a great series. It was really good. I'm not using the exact same material today, but I'm going to be pulling from the Song of Solomon again. And so the book of Song of Solomon uh, is devoted to describing human love in graphic detail. And one thing we know for sure about all of this subject, God says these these words in Isaiah chapter 55. He says... uh, uh, verses 8 9, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declared the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts your thoughts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what God is saying about our sexual intimacy. He has a thought that is beyond your thought. It is higher than your thought of what it is. It is more wonderful, more exciting. Why? Because everything God does is good. It's really good. What God does is really good. I'm going to say really good until somebody says amen. What he does is really, really good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hang with me as we go through all of this today because we know that God's ways are higher and better than our ways. And God wants you to enjoy this whole area of life that we're talking about in even a greater way than ever before. So, just for your information, in the book, The Song of Solomon, there are three characters that show up a lot. And most of us already know this. The first character is the lover, and that's Solomon himself, King Solomon. He was a great, great king. We're going to hear some great things about him again this morning. He is the lover. Then there is the beloved. That is his wife. And, of course, she is the uh, Shulamite woman. And then we had the third group of people, and that is their friends, in, in particular her friends, and they're called the daughters of Jerusalem. So, in our talk today, you're going to hear me refer to the lover, you're going to hear me re- refer to the beloved, and you're going to hear me refer to the friends. They're all part of the story. Look at the opening statement of Song of Solomon, chapter 1. I'm going to read to you the first three verses, then I'll break it down a little bit. Solomon. Song of Songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. No wonder the young women love you. Look at this verse two. I love, just love verse two. And she said, uh, he says here. She says here. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I don't know. I, I need an amen behind that. Come on, give me an amen. Somebody give me an amen. If we're going to be talking about love, if we're going to be talking about relationships, if we're going to be talking about sexual our sexuality, for this book to begin this way, it is incredible. This guy is right on point. This guy is doing exactly what needs to be done. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth is what she says. And then she identifies his greatest strength as a man. This this is the way this book is written. It it goes in one vein, then jumps to another, then jumps to another, then back, and then it goes all over the place. So hang with me. I got a lot of notes that I'm following along so I don't get confused and that you don't get confused. So she identifies his greatest strength. And that's found in verse two. She says these words, For your love is more delightful than wine. Your love is more delightful than, than wine. In other words, what she is saying is something like this. Identifying his greatest strength as a man, Solomon, the way that you love, the way that you love, you have figured out human love. You have figured out human relationship better than anyone else. The way you love, and not just within marriage, not just in marriage itself, but the way you love, the way you carry yourself, the way you walk into a room, the way you you treat other people, the way you treat the children, the way that you treat your employees. She says... Solomon, people just light up when you show up. They just light up when you show up. Your love, the way you love, is more delightful than any, anybody else. And then she goes in verse 3. She says these words in verse 3. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is poured out. Your, your, your name is uh, like perfume that is poured out. She is now identifying in this particular verse, she's identifying his reputation. She says something like this. She goes from the love and now into the reputation. Your reputation goes before you. And it's like a a fragrance. It's like a pleasing fragrance to whoever is with you, to whoever is around you. I mean, you talk about being intimate. You talk about crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Listen to what she is saying. Everybody delights in you. And can I say this to you with the fragrance idea? This should be our goal. This should be who you are. This should be who I am. That we would have a fragrance about ourselves when we walk into our home, when we walk into our church, when we walk into our schools, when we walk into our our places of employment, our neighborhood, wherever we find ourselves, everywhere we go, we should have an aroma about us. In fact, the Bible says we do have an aroma about us. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I've learned this verse years ago, early 80s, and this has been Randy Chis's prayer his whole life, and I want it to become yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph with Christ and through us and through us, through you, through me. He, the Bible says, diffuses a fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are, to God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, what God says, because of the Spirit of God who lives in you, because you've given your life to Christ and you're following after him, you have an aroma about you. And the aroma about you is inspirational. It will either bring people to Christ because of who you are and how you love and how you respond to people, or it's going to drive people away. And the people who are not toward God, wanting God, believing God, you're going to be leading them to death, is what the Bible says. Not because of something you're doing wrong, but because of something you're doing right. Because there are people who want nothing to do with God, no matter what, nothing but nothing but nothing. Doesn't mean we give up on them, but the Bible makes clear that there should be something about us. So I'm asking that you do this along with me every day. God, help me to have influence. God, use that aroma. As I go to that appointment, as I'm with that person, when I'm on the phone, God, would you give me that, that ability to have a difference? Again, wherever we go, every place where there are people, our goal is, is that we would make a difference in other people's lives. Please give me a Amen. Amen. That's what we should be doing. That we're not only learning a, 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 we're not only learning, but we're also doing the actual art of loving, loving other people, loving well. And if I could say this, he's not in the room now. He told me he had to go out with the sign-up. But Pastor Jeremiah, I want to pull on him just for a moment. Pastor Jeremiah, and I mean this. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When Pastor Jeremiah is around, it's a good thing. He, he has an aroma about him. He loves people. He is a gentleman. He cares about people. And when he shows up, when he's at the staff meeting, when he's in the building, when he's meeting with you, when he's meeting with me, He's not someone who's intimidating, someone who is, who is loud and boisterous, and he is someone who loves other people. Wouldn't you agree with me? He's a good guy to use as a Solomon figure at Word of Life. He's a good guy. And Solomon's wife says to her, you're really good in human relationships. Verse 13, and then she said, uh, verse 3, she says, no wonder, no wonder all the other women want you. They're not getting you because you are mine you belong to me. They're not going to get you. Listen, let this be our goal, that we learn how to love people God's way. That's our goal. We learn how to love people God's way, that everybody and anybody we come in contact with, that we would love them and make a difference in their lives as a result of us being around them. I, I, I don't think that that's too much to ask because really it's the Spirit of God in you that's doing it. It's not just you being a good guy, OR A GOOD GIRL. THE FACT OF THE MATTER IS, IT'S GOD WORKING IN US. us. AND BY THE WAY, BY THE WAY, LISTEN TO ME, LISTEN. ALL OF THIS SHOULD BEGIN NOT AT CHURCH, NOT AT SCHOOL, NOT AT THE WORKPLACE. IT SHOULD BEGIN IN THE HOME. WHEN YOU WALK INTO THAT HOME, SIR, WHEN YOU WALK INTO THAT HOME, MA'AM, ALL OF A SUDDEN THERE SHOULD BE AN AROMA COMING FROM YOU THAT THERE IS CHRIST AND YOU ARE LOVING WELL. YOU ARE LOVING REALLY WELL RIGHT NOW IN MY HOME. THAT'S WHERE IT SHOULD BEGIN. Well, that's my introduction to the message today, this morning. So let's go into verse 4. Let's begin to unfold this even more. Verse 4, Song of Solomon. This is her that is speaking. Verse 4, she says, let me pull it back up. She says, take me away with you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry and let the king bring me into his chambers. Now, the chambers, of course, is the bedroom. That's what she's wanting. She's wanting to be with him IN HIS BEDROOM. BE WITH HIM IN HIS BEDROOM. AND THEN THE, the FRIENDS, the, THE DAUGHTERS OF JERUSALEM, the, the, they, THEY HEAR HER SAY THESE WORDS, TAKE ME INTO YOUR CHAMBERS, AND THEY IMMEDIATELY HAVE SOMETHING TO CONTRIBUTE. AND THEY BEGIN TO SAY THINGS LIKE THIS, WE REJOICE AND WE DELIGHT IN YOU. WE REJOICE AND WE DELIGHT. MAN, WE THINK YOU GUYS HAVE THE BEST RELATIONSHIP EVER. THERE'S NO ONE OUT THERE THAT'S LIKE YOU. WE WISH WE HAD WHAT YOU HAVE. IS WHAT THE DAUGHTERS ARE SAYING, WHAT THE FRIENDS ARE SAYING. AS THEY'RE WATCHING THIS, AS THEY'RE LISTENING TO ALL OF THIS, THEY HAVE THEIR THOUGHTS AND THEY HAVE THEIR COMMENTS. AND SHE RESPONDS IN VERSE 5, SHE SAYS, DARK AM I, DARK AM I, YET LOVELY. NOW, SHE'S GOING TO BEGIN TO OPEN UP AND REVEAL A LITTLE BIT OF HER INSECURITIES OF HER LIFE. SHE SAYS THESE WORDS, SHE SAYS, DARK AM I. I MAY NOT BE TOO MUCH TO look, LOOK AT, BUT YET I AM LOVELY, I'M LOVELY. AND SHE STARTS RIGHT HERE WITH THE TOPIC OF ATTRACTION. Right off the bat, she says, there are so many people who are attracted to the wrong things in relationships. They're they're attracted to the wrong things in relationships. But she says, but not my man. Not my man. Look, I'm dark. I'm not that much to look at. It's not that great. You know, I'm not that beautiful, that pretty. But she says, my man, he's not looking at that. He's not wanting the, the number 10. He's not wanting the best of the best that's out there. He can see things differently. So she begins to unload a little bit. She says these words. She says, she says uh, uh, dark am I, and yet lovely daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, uh, which are pitch black. They're, they're black. And uh, the tents of the curtains of Solomon, again, they're black. So she's, she is dealing with a bit of her insecurities because of the color of her skin, really what's going on. And it's really not that way today. It's not like that. It was like that back then, but today it's not like that in fact we think dark is beautiful we think tans are sexy we think that uh, we understand that back then all of that was dark and that was bad her skin probably would be dry and would be cracked and ugly and the reason for all of that is because she worked the fields she says i'm dark because of the sun i'm dark because i worked the fields i'm dark because i'm in there and uh, and uh, with all of that she would have withered hands and dry skin and Rough hands. And she explains in the, this particular verse, I won't read it to you right now, but she talks about her stepbrothers who were angry with her and they forced her to work in the vineyards. And she says at the end of verse six, she says these words. She said, but my own vineyard vineyard, I had rejected. I, excuse me, I have neglected is what I have done. And she says, even though I've neglected myself, even though I've been in the sun, even though I'm, I'm, I'm black, I'm very dark, very dark and can't see much, but rough hands, she says, I, I, I can't help it that I'm this way, but I've made some decisions beyond my body that makes me attractive, and I love that about her. I love her being able to see the weaknesses and the challenges, and yet she's willing to do something from this day forward. It's another from this day forward decision that she's making. Right off the bat, she is saying, if you're going to have a godly, full of love relationship, then you have got to, have, you have got to get past just the physical. You've got to get beyond that. I know it has its place. I know that it's something important to all of us in some level, but it's not the focus. It's not the focus. Verse 7. She says these words. Are you getting this? Am I going too fast? Is this not making sense? Somebody answer. Okay, got Annie, she agrees. All right, the rest of you, the rest of you are going to have to hang on there. Okay. Oh, God, help me. Um, verse 7. And she, tells, she says these words. Love this. Tell me, you whom I love where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? She's making a decision here. She's saying, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like a a, a veiled woman. Why why should I be like a veiled woman? Why should I be out there flaunting my body all around? Because actually a a veiled woman in this particular setting, they're prostitutes. Literally, a veiled woman means a prostitute. And these prostitutes um, who would actually be on the very edge of the field where the work is taking place. She's talking about, tell me where you graze and tell me where the sheep are and all the things where you're working at. And at that field where there's multiple of shepherds and multiple people working, the prostitutes would come and, and they would actually be on the very edge of the field where the men would work. And when they were tired and they're wanting a little bit of love... The, the veiled women would be right there and we would be ready to seduce them, to get whatever they're wanting. They're wanting the money. They could care less about the individual. They just want the money from the, the service that would be taking place. This Shul- Shulamite woman, she said, I'm not going there. I, I'm not going to be like that. That's nothing that I'm going to. It, it's a matter of fact how she is saying these words. I'm not going to do this. And guess what? Solomon is turned on. Solomon is hearing this and he says, you are more attractive to me than you would ever imagine. I'm looking for someone who is different than all the other women. I don't want to follow that. I want to follow someone who is genuine, someone who is real. I'm looking for someone like you and I found you, is what Solomon responds. So if you're married, single or single again, and you want the right man, you want the right woman, there needs to be the right attraction. It's not just about the outwardness of a person. It's in the heart. It's about the heart. It's about their faith. It's about their walk with God. It's about their integrity. All of the things that are important to us after we marry him, after we marry her. In the beginning, he's crossing all the T's, not in all the I's, but after they're married. Is he that person that you really... It's it's that that kind of special right attraction. I want to cover three life-giving attractions very quickly with you from this day forward. Attraction number one is our spiritual attraction. Uh, Psalm chapter 37, beginning at verse 3. Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love psalm 37 it's the best one of the best psalms it's something you should read every day for a while anyhow verse 5 commit your way to the lord trust trust in him and he will do this he will make your righteous uh, righteous reward shine like the dawn your vindication like the noonday sun i submit to you that one of the most attractive things that you can offer any relationship any relationship that would matter to you at all a, a boyfriend girlfriend a spouse kids family, friends, whoever there, the best thing that you can offer a relationship like that—that that is how much you love God. The best thing you can give, God first. Remember, we're dealing with God first. We dealt with that last week. We're talking about that right now. It's not about how pretty, how strong you are. It's about how much you love God, how much you love God. It's God first. I'm telling you, whether you're male or female, when you are in love with God, that's attractive. That is really attractive. When you're looking for somebody who has principle, who has integrity, who has heartfelt convictions of right and wrong, somebody who truly loves God, that is attractive. Three things. Let me deal with three points, and I'll have three things to each of those points. Three things that you can do to become spiritually attractive. It begins by number one, letter A. It is is to love and worship God. Worshipping God is attractive. It is attractive. And I know a lot of us men have an issue with that. I get it. I am one. I get that. <coughs> if you're new to Word of Life and you don't know me at all, the, the story of my life is I was raised Roman Catholic. And I get it. The first time I went to an other than Catholic church at the age of 16 years old, I got saved in Philadelphia. My life was changed by God at a Catholic church. Anyhow, when we went to a church other than a Catholic church, that blew my mind. Because I walked into a church similar to this right here. There was worship going on, people with hands raised, people clapping, tears are flowing. I mean, and I sat back and I said, what is happening here? But it ended up being the thing that changed everything for my life. It was something that would draw me even closer to God. So, you know, the Bible is very clear on how we are to worship God. It's really a big deal to God on how we worship him. You can find it a lot in the book of Psalms, which is the largest book in the Bible, 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. And it's mostly about worship, of course. And therefore, with that big of a book, it must be a big or an important thing to God as well. So we find in the book of Psalms, we find that with worship, we are to be clapping our hands, singing, shouting, whistling, dancing, raising our hands before the God who has redeemed our lives. Yeah, that's right. Expressive, expressive worship looks a lot like this a Saturday at the dome for sure but the truth is man we certainly don't mind a Saturday at the dome but we get all conservative on a Sunday morning when we come to church and I don't get that people who raise their hands at church to the one who's redeemed them who saved them the one that they love more than anything I can't raise my hands before God because you know that's a little bit embarrassing but yeah man you can be crazy at the dome and paint your face and everybody loves you I don't get it but anyhow I've been following Jesus for nearly five decades of my life now and uh, believe me when I tell you this I submit to you that if you worship God that way if you worship the way God wants you to worship him you're loving God and you're honoring God you're worshiping him man people aren't going to be they're not going to be uh, treating you bad they're not going to think you're a jerk or an idiot in fact, the majority of people are going to end up respecting you. So, I want to challenge you, my brother, especially the men, probably some women, but especially the men, I want to challenge you to take your hands out of your pocket when we do the final song that we're going to do at the end of the message today. Uh, do the final, and take out, uh, take your hands out of your pocket and begin to worship the one who has saved you. You don't have to immediately go with a touchdown kind of praise. <laughs> You can begin with, you can start with, carry the baby. You know, here we are, carry the baby. Talked about this before. All you're doing is got your hands this high. And then all of a sudden, this is how big of a fish I just caught. Yep. And then you go to, I caught a big fish, kind of worship. And then, of course, there's the time, okay, touchdown. That was great. God, you're worthy of all praise. Now, actually, that, that comes from uh, Tim Hawkins, pretty funny guy. And uh, I've done that before, but I thought it was pretty funny to do it again. So especially to my men, especially to my men, listen to me, please the most attractive thing in the world to your godly wife or to your godly girlfriend is that you love God. Amen. And all the women said, amen. amen. One last thought, sir. If you're, if you would dare to lift your hands at the end of this service today worshiping before God, sir, I don't know, but maybe just maybe tonight maybe a little bit of ulala for you. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of benefits to raising your hand before the Lord. Letter B is pursue your God-given purpose. Decide today it's God first. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to love Him. I'm not going to be just a, a, a taker of things. I'm not going to come to church and just take it all in. It's all about me, what I can get. No, I want to serve. No, I want to serve. I want to serve in the cafe. I want to be a greeter. I want to be an usher. I want to, I want to be a part of the worship team. Wh- wherever, Whatever we're doing at Word of Life, I want want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a life group. You see, we need people who have been gifted to begin to do those things that God has called them to do and qualified you to do. And I'm telling you, my friend, that becomes attractive. When you get involved, whether you're male or female, and you make the difference in other people's lives, that's godly. And that is very attractive. And by the way, women... One scripture, uh, uh, one one scripture says in particular, your spirit, spirituality needs to be sometimes without a word said. What you what you would do is live a life just like this example that we find in uh, in one Peter chapter three verses one through four. Let me read this to you. It's going to be projected here. Wives, obey your husbands. Some of your hus- husbands may not obey the word of God. By obeying your husbands. They may become Christians by the life that you live without saying anything. How you respond to your man. How you respond to your, you don't have to respond this way to all men, but to your man. When you respond to him, the way you do that, it could lead them to Christ. They, they will see how you love God and how your life, your life is pure. Do not let your beauty come from the outside. It should be. Uh, it should not be with how you comb your hair or with the clothes that you wear, the gold you may have have on. No, your beauty should come from the inside. It should come from your heart. This kind of this kind of love that that would last. Your beauty should be a gentle and quiet spirit. In God's sight, this is of great worth. The Bible says, and no amount of money could ever buy that. Amen. This call that God has for us as men and women. It is incredible. FOR YOU AND I TO HAVE SUCH A THING. TO MY SINGLES, TO MY SINGLES, LET ME TALK TO YOU A LITTLE BIT MORE ABOUT THIS SUBJECT OF PURPOSE, PURPOSING YOUR LIFE, uh, GIVING YOUR LIFE PURPOSE WITH GOD. FOR MY SINGLES, IF YOU START DATING SOMEONE AND LIKE, YOUR THOUGHT IS, THIS IS THE ONE, I'M THINKING I'M REALLY LIKING THIS DUDE, THIS, this GUY, PRETTY MUCH, um, LET ME JUST CHALLENGE YOU THAT AFTER YOU'VE GONE TO Chili's OR wherever YOU'VE GONE, gone why, don't you, WHY DON'T YOU, AFTER THAT, BRING him TO CHURCH? Why don't you see if he would be the kind of God that's going to worship God? See if he would end up taking his hands out of his pockets and begin to worship the One who's redeemed his life. And if not, if he doesn't do that, remember your purpose. Now, if he if he does not do that, then I think you need to say hasta la vista, my brother, because I'm looking for another brother other than you. See you later, alligator, is what you should do. So, or um, if if you if you've as you're a person who's been dating now for three, four weeks or a couple, three months, however that may be for you, and you're beginning to feel something, sir, ma'am. You know, you're, you're beginning to have some thoughts in your heart and in your mind. Um, I challenge you, you talk to him or you talk to her. A, a, You need a come to Jesus kind of moment. In fact, I'm saying to you, you need to make it crystal clear. And you would say something like this, sir, ma'am, you really should. This is how far we're going. And if you like it, then you need to put a ring on it first. And uh, uh, by the way, I'm not, I'm not going to be like a veiled woman. I want you to, I want you to, uh, to know that this is going to take some time, that it's not going to just happen overnight because we are not going to go into something that is outside of God's will. In other words, you are keeping yourself pure until that day that you do, marry. because that's, that's the call of the Scriptures. That's what God's Word says, not Randy Chisholm's ideas, not my thoughts. It's his thought. It's what he says. So spiritually attractive is the first and the most important. And you need to work on this. And if you do, I promise that relationships are going to improve. Number two, go with me to verse 9. The same book, Song of of Solomon, verse 9. He says, I liken you, my darling. Stop right there. Solomon says the word darling nine different times in this book. Nine times he calls her, different times he calls her darling. The... Hebrew word for darling is raya, raya in Hebrew, and that means you're my best friend. You're my best friend. Solomon certainly enjoyed the fact that sometime he's going to have sexual intimacy with his soon-to-be wife. That's going to happen here real soon, but to me, my darling, it's more than than that. It's more than just the physical. It's more than just the, the sexual. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. I challenge every husband and every wife in this room He should be, she should be your best friend. Your best friend, my closest companion. Raya, my darling, is what he calls her. I'm telling you, this is missing in so many marriages, in so many relationships. Let me read to you the entire verse, verse 9. He says, I liken you, my darling, to a, a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Let me stop here and make a little bit of correction I don't think you ought to ever say to your wife, you look like a horse. <laughs> you remind me of a mare. That You could get away with that back 3,000 years ago, but you can't get away with that anymore today. Really what he was saying is Pharaoh's chariots had horses like nobody else had. They were pure white horse, horses. They were thoroughbreds. They were beautiful. They were a priceless commodity. And she understood that. She knew what he was talking about. As soon as she said, he said the, the chariots, the, the horses of Pharaoh's chariots, she knew exactly what was. You are precious. You are priceless. You are my possess- possession. You are my everything. You are the best thing that any man could ever want. That's how much that word darling, how deep that goes. Verse 10, he goes on to say, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with a string of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Go to verse 11. Your cheeks are beautiful. I already read that. We will make you with that. Go to verse 12. I'm sorry. And while the king was at his table, my perfume uh, uh, spread its fragrance. When the king was at his table, this is talking about now, his public life, publicly speaking about Solomon. In other words, his social life, his professional life, who he was. And here's what she says: Oh my lover, oh my lover, even in public, even in public, you talk about me in front of, of in front of everybody. You honor me in public. You you spread you spread the, the fragrance, the perfume, and you honor me. You honor me. Listen, men, every woman wants this. Every woman wants to know that her man is spreading nothing but good, talking about good things, about who she is, what she does, and where she is at in life with you. It's what you and I should do. It's what you and I should be doing as men. And what she is saying, even with, with us being a part, you know, he, she says, I, 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 I just can't believe that when you're with other people, how you, you lift me up, how you talk about me this way. Even in public, you talk this way. Go with me to verse 13. They, they've now separated momentarily. They're apart from one another. And she says these words in verse 13. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breast. Now, I don't know what a sachet of myrrh is, but I've got a feeling that Solomon was really glad that he was one of them. Yeah. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between... Between my breast is what, and he said, "Hallelujah, ooh la la." I'm happy for that. Actually, what she is saying that even when we're apart, I'm I'm bringing you close to me. I'm holding you tight. I'm thinking about you right now. I want to be with you. I I see you. I want to be with you. I'm thinking about you when I'm laying in my bed. Verse 14, as we're going through, my beloved was to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards. Of Engadi, that the 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 blossoms uh, of the blossoms of, of, uh, uh, the blossoms of uh, henna, uh, the cluster of henna. Those are beautiful, beautiful red flowers in Israel. Saw them both times that I've been there. They're just a magnificent thing. And what she is saying there is that this is way more than just the physical attraction. There's something very deep here. There's something very wonderful between us, which takes us to point number two, which is emotional attraction. Emotional attraction. Uh, Psalm 57, verse nine. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. And let your glory be all over the earth. Listen to me, those of you who are married couples. If you would just spend a little bit more time feeding the emotional needs of your spouse. If you would do a little bit more of that. If you would be more consistent in that. If you would do those kind of things, I believe that there's going to be something that will break through in your marriage unlike anything else that could possibly happen. And I get it. I get it. I understand. I'm a man, and women are more complicated than men are. I understand that. They're much deeper than we are. They're much more emotional than we are. They really are. But men also have emotional needs as well. They are just different than a woman's emotional needs. So I want to give you three quick things to develop in your dating, whether you're dating or whether you're in marriage, in dealing with this kind of stuff. Number one, point one is value them. Value that boyfriend, that girlfriend. Value that husband, that wife. Verse nine, if you remember, he talks about the chariot of horses. They're a priceless possession. When you value them, you're thinking the thoughts, you're the best. There's no one that's like you. You are my prized possession. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, but he is not. He's not a prized possession. She is not. She's not a prized possession. I understand that. But listen to me, if you don't like what you're seeing, look at what you're saying. If you don't like what you're seeing in him and her, then look at what you're saying about him or about her. I'm telling you, if you say it, they will become it. I don't know how my wife can do it. I walk in the house and she, as I walk in the house, I haven't said a word. I walk in the house and she says, man, you're miserable. Oh, you think I'm miserable now? Just wait. You've opened up that door. I'm going to really get miserable. Or, uh, I've never talked to my wife like that. Never, ever. Then we, or she would say, some, our wives would say to us, why are you so mad? Why are you so mad about this or about that? Or, you've got a real foul mouth right now. Listen, if you say it, they're going to become it. They're going to begin to be that way. They're going to begin to do it that way. My God, time is running out of, my, my challenge to you is this. YOU COULD SAY THOSE BAD THINGS, BUT WHAT IF YOU WERE TO SAY SOMETHING LIKE THIS, HONEY, I REALLY BELIEVE IN YOU. I REALLY BELIEVE IN YOU. DEEP DOWN, I KNOW WHAT'S IN YOUR HEART, AND YOUR HEART IS TENDER. AND YOU'RE A VERY COMPASSIONATE MAN. GUESS WHAT HE'S GOING TO DO AS HE WALKS INTO THE HOUSE IN A BAD, MISERABLE MOOD. ALL OF A SUDDEN HE'S GOING TO REALIZE, WAIT, a minute, I DON'T NEED TO BE LIKE THIS. THIS IS MY WIFE. THIS IS MY BEST FRIEND. I DON'T NEED TO TREAT HER LIKE THIS AND CHANGE. CHANGE YOUR HEART. CHANGE THE WAY THAT YOU, you DO THIS. Um, let me go to, I'm going to jump ahead because I'm really running out of time. So to the guys on the projection, good luck following along with me. The third, next thing is to speak life to them. In other words, watch your words. Men, ladies like to hear who they are. They like to hear who they are. That you would celebrate who, who they are. You're beautiful. I say this to Marianne a lot. I, and I'm, I'm not boasting. This is just our communication. 44 years we've been married You're beautiful. Where did I find you? Did it hurt? Did it hurt? Yeah, when you came down from heaven to be with me, did it hurt? She doesn't like that one anymore. Anyhow, um, literally for me, there's not another woman on the planet, and I mean this. I I mean, though, there's beautiful, beautiful women out there. My God, but there's none that compare to my wife, to my Marianne. I call her Mac. A lot of people don't know that I call her Mac. Marianne Chiz. My Mac, I mean, she is, she's my everything. She's the greatest wife, mother, and grandmother on the planet. She's packed full of love and grace and compassion and wisdom. And in my humble opinion, I really mean this. She's the greatest gift to Word of Life, Assembly of God, Church, outside of God himself, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Ladies, you don't focus on who he is. What you're to focus with your man is what he does. It's what he does. All of us men need to be encouraged that we're doing a good job. You need to tell us that. You need to speak life into them because, ladies and gentlemen, let me give you a warning. If you don't, if you don't speak life into them, someone else is going to. The enemy will do everything in his power to make sure that the vacuum that is missing in your husband, in your wife's life is because you haven't been admiring her. You haven't been affectionate toward her. You haven't been emotional toward her or him, male or female. And every one of us need that. And the devil will make sure that someone's going to walk up to your husband and say to them at work, wow, you're incredible. I can't believe you do such a great job. Where do you get your talent from? Oh, a man likes to hear that. Or a woman. Do you know that the sexiest words a woman could ever hear from another man is, so tell me more. And then what happened? Or, that's interesting. THOSE ARE SOME OF THE SEXIEST WORDS A WOMAN COULD EVER HEAR FROM ANOTHER MAN. THE THIRD THING LET HER SEE IS THINK GOOD THOUGHTS ABOUT THEM. A FEW WEEKS AGO, AS I WAS DRIVING HOME, I, I WAS PLOWING SNOW, AND I WAS DRIVING BY MY HOUSE, AND uh, I LOOKED IN THE WINDOW, AND the, the, THE CURTAIN WAS OPEN ENOUGH, AND I DROVE BY re- REALLY SLOW, AND I SEE MARIANNE SITTING IN THE CHAIR THAT SHE HAS, AND SHE HAS HER BIBLE, AND SHE'S READING. A LITTLE LIGHT IS ON, AND SHE'S READING THAT. AS SOON AS I WENT BY THE HOUSE, I IMMEDIATELY TEXT HER. And wrote back to her, I texted her a quick text and just said, just want you to know I love you XOX. Uh, didn't do anything more about it. She didn't respond to that. And I got home a little bit later and she said, why did you text me that? Why did you text me I love you XOX? When, you know, and I said, well, honey, I was driving by and I saw you reading your Bible and you are the most amazing godly woman I've ever met in my life. And I love you. Well, ooh la la for me. Anyhow. Um... <laughs> Number three is physical attraction. Song goes <laughs> out. Ooh la la. Um, he goes into a list and starts naming off things about her that are beautiful. He, I, I don't want to read it all because of time again. I, I want to get you out of here on time. I don't want to do this. So if I could have our worship team, we're, we're, we're winding this puppy down. Um, he starts talking about her. He talks about her eyes. Uh, he talks a little bit about her physical attraction, and he's not going for the places that we men normally go for first. He, he, he starts with the eyes. He talks about the beauty of her eyes and a and, and woman's eyes, a man's eyes too, but not nearly as beautiful as a woman's eyes. They're always beautiful. Eyes are just beautiful. They're so telling. Um, there's an Im- immense physical attraction that's beginning to happen right now, right here. And I want to say these words to you. Don't ever feel bad when you're sexually attracted especially to your wife and especially to your husband. Don't ever feel bad about that. In fact, I want to tell you this under the authority of God's word. He put that in you. You and I have that sexual attraction because it's a gift that God has given every one of us. And then we find here with all of this of where they're going that the last thing that happens is, is the physical attraction. And it's a big deal. And I mean it's a really a big deal, especially for us guys. Let me explain it to you this way. To me, I think men are ugly. I, I just think men are ugly. I think we're generally ugly. I think we have a scar face. I think that we have hair everywhere all over our body. Uh, We have no real shape to our body except for round for most of us. And, uh, you know, compared to a woman, most women compared to a woman who is beautiful, who is soft, who is shapely. Gentlemen, even though we're not all that good looking, we're not the best looking dudes out there, I want you to hear about a miracle that God does. Gentlemen, when you honor her, when you serve her, when you cherish her, when you value her, when you focus uh, on who she is, when you love her, when you put her ahead of yourself, it's like God does a miracle. He does a miracle right, right before our eyes because suddenly, all of a sudden, you become extremely good looking and she esteems you, and she believes you're strong, and she wants to have your babies, and she wants to grow old with you. It's a miracle that God does. All of a sudden, you're good looking. A woman responds to her man. When you value her, she will love you in ways as you would never imagine. My beloved, to me, is a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts, is what the Bible says. You won't believe how she would respond, ooh la la. Come on, stand with me to your feet. God created all of that and more. I've got more in my notes. Forgive me for going long. But God created all of that and more. And that can be yours. Sir, ma'am, I don't know if you're having struggles in your marriage right now. I don't know if you're in a dating relationship right now and not sure where it's going to go and what to do. Well, maybe some of this stuff will help you a little bit in making some of those decisions. But I want to tell you this much. It's God's plan for you to have the greatest marriage on the planet. It's God's plan for you to be as much in love with your man, your woman, as I am with my woman, and my wife is with me. It's God's plan, and it will only happen if you follow his word, if you will do what his word says. We're going to sing our closing song. Maybe we could do this a little bit shorter because I've been a little bit long. You guys know what to do. Um, But we're going to have our worship team here. Uh, Excuse me, our uh, intercessory team. These are men and women who have been praying for the last 45 minutes in another room. In fact, it's in my office where they've been praying and they're praying for you. If you need prayer for anything in your life at all, you don't need to be a member to have prayer. If you have a need in your life, whatever it may be, you come and just give them a couple of words of what you want them to pray for, and they'll pray for you. And you can go back and be seated, or you can continue to worship God with us as we sing this last and final song. Come on, let's do that.